0: Well, looking at marks of the new birth this morning. Marks of the new birth. We have six of them mentioned. We're only going to cover half of those. It's a dictum with some people that in order to be sure we have been born again, we should be able to state the place where, the time when, and the manner how it happened. Not all of us can be that precise. How does a person know that he's been born in a physical sense? Well, can you recall the time and the place? Can you remember the occasion? Nobody can recall these details of their natural birth, but any person knows he was born by the simple fact that he is alive. You know, we have flesh and blood. We're walking around. It it is real. It's something that we can identify other people. They're walking. They're living beings. And just so with the new birth. So many people in times past have had an emotional experience. Maybe many in this day in the charismatic movement have had an ecstatic experience. And you can't tell them that that wasn't salvation or that wasn't the filling of the Spirit because they argue black and blue that it was. You know, others have walked an aisle in a church or a camp or somewhere and and, and had a tear in their eye and said, yes, I am saved. But there's no fruit to show that they are saved. In the Gospel of Matthew, it tells us about some of these in Matthew and chapter 7. And let's just read that portion of Scripture, Matthew 7 and verse 15 to 21. Beware of false prophets who come unto you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, But corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You know that a person is being born physically because they're walking around, they're alive. You know a Christian by their Christian characteristics. And if we haven't got them and we're declaring ourselves to be a Christian and we go swearing like a trooper and going to the same haunts we used to go to as a non-Christian, don't deceive yourself. Don't say that you're a Christian. Don't even confess the Lord because it's a, you'll bring shame upon his name if you're behaving just like an unsafe person. And so, yes, we can know and we can know them and we can know ourselves, whether we're Christians or not, by our fruits. It's not knowing how, when or where that matters. It's being spiritual alive that matters. It's bearing fruit that matters. And John deals with half a dozen reasons or tests how we can know that we're, we're born again, that we, we know we have been saved. That is in First John. He deals with these. And so let's turn there and look at some of these. The first one found in First John chapter 2 and verse 29. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. The same thoughts expressed in 1 John 3 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So there's a mark of spiritual deportment. It is righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness here means the righteous life, which is the result of salvation through Christ. By God's grace, the Christian does righteously because he has been made righteous by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 4, Philippians and chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says this, and this is righteousness in action, and actions come from thoughts. And in this reference, Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are of good, are of pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You see, actions, righteous actions, come from righteous thoughts. If we're not thinking right, we won't be acting right. And so this is a mark of spiritual deportment. What are you thinking? You know, I can't tell what you're thinking. God knows what you're thinking, but no man can know what you're thinking. But it will come out. And God looks on and knows what your thoughts are. You know what your thoughts are. Are they righteous? Because that is a mark of you being a Christian. In Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 here, it it talks about, and this is a really, uh, an evident one to other people, a really good one to to see that we're saved. Verse 22 of Galatians 5, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we're Christians, if we're saved, if we have the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will walk in him and it will be evident. These fruits of the Spirit will be evident in our life if we claim to be a Christian. Are they evident? Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another to envy or provoking one another, envying one another. This is not Christian. Christians live by the and evidence the fruit of the Spirit in their life. In the book of Romans, which we'll get to in a moment, in chapter 3 and 4 there, it talks about righteousness and the two types or different types of righteousness that one has. It's mentioned 11 times in in those two chapters there. There is the self-righteousness of the Pharisees, the self-righteousness. In Matthew 5.20 it speaks... Ex- the Lord said, accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You say, wow. <laughs> the, they looked the part. They acted the part. They even killed people because they weren't doing what they wanted them to do. Uh, Paul even consented to the death of Christians. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Accept your righteousness. You say, well, there's a high standard set here. <laughs> self-righteousness is not what God is looking at here that's not a fruit he's looking at self-righteousness now self-righteous people might be doing a lot of good things but they've got the 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 horse the cart before the horse in Luke chapter 18 verses 11 to 14 we read the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God I thank thee that I'm not as other men extortioners unjust adulterers or even as this Publican, I fast, fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up as much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I will tell you, this man, the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. But he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so there's a the self-righteousness. That's not what we need to evidence in our lives. The And there's many a people, many a person that calls himself Christian, that evidences self-righteousness. I go to church. I do this. I do the other. Therefore, I must be a Christian. No, you're doing them to become a Christian. Christians do them because they are Christians. There is self judgment in this matter, and we find this in the book of Romans, chapter 2, and verse 12 to 14. We read there For as many as have sinned without the law shall perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the Lord shall be justified. For when the Gentiles who have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing them witness. And so you have people with the law, we might call this judicial righteousness, and they're living by the letter of the law, and they think that they can do this and get to heaven. And they won't. But even the Gentiles who have not the law show the law of the law, Lord written on their hearts, their conscience bearing them witness, and they live even as it were a better life than religious people that say, "Well, we're living by the law." In verse seventeen to twenty-three of Romans chapter two, we read, "Behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest His will, and approvest the things that are more excellent." Being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself are a guide of the blind, a light of them who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, who hast the form of knowledge and of the truth of the law. Thou therefore who teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols... Dost thou commit sacri- sacrilege, thou that makest thy boast of the law. Through breaking the law dishonorest thou God. Yes, these people were saying, well, we've got the law, we're right, we're obeying the law. But through breaking the law, look, you only have to break one law and you're guilty of all, says James 2 and verse 10. There is self-righteousness, there is, as it were, judicial righteousness. I'm living by the book, I'm living by the law. And then there is righteousness of works. And this is mentioned in Matthew chapter 19 and verses 18 to 22. And this is the uh, <clears throat> rich young ruler coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, you know, uh, <clears throat> he said unto him in verse 17, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. But if thou will enter life keep the commandments if you want to be saved keep the commandments and the rich ruler said he said unto him which jesus said thou shalt not murder thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness honor thy father and thy mother and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself and the young man saith unto him all these things have i kept from my youth up what lack i yet How can I get to heaven? I've kept the law. I've lived by the book. And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go sell what thou hast and give it to the poor. And thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard these sayings, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So here is a man that was living by the righteousness of works, doing, it seems, all the right things. (laughs) obeying the book and the Lord said you're not saved and how many people today are walking around I'm a Christian I'm a Christian but they haven't got the righteousness which we've yet to find and look at here in the Bible that really saves them not self-righteousness not judicial righteousness not righteousness of works we can be so easily deceived in the book of Romans again and Romans chapter 10 this time, and verse 3 and 5. For they, the Jews, and like this rich young ruler, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Verse 5 says, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that a man that doeth those things shall live by them. Well, you ask, well, how can... I have the right righteousness. How can I know that I've got the righteousness of, that God is pleased with and that I am born again and I have spiritual deportment? You know, I've been trying all my life to live right and to do right and go by the book. Well, here in Romans it tells us clearly and it, it gives us examples of the right, right, right righteousness. It's imputed righteousness. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. And if you've never read it, go there and read it. It's so important for your eternal security to know that you have the right righteousness. In verse 3, for what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It was counted, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If we're doing works righteousness or self-righteousness, God is indebted to us, and he's no man's debtor. But here, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. You say, it can't be that simple. Yes, it is. That's what the Bible tells us. In verse 5, we read on, but to him that worketh not, not working, not doing righteous deeds, we will do righteous deeds if we're truly born again, but we don't do them to be born again. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, all the systems of religion, religion, Religions where they've set up works to be saved, you've got to do this to be saved and that, where the Bible clearly states, even back in the Old Testament, it's by faith we believe in God imputing righteousness, putting it to our account. We must come by the way of the Word of God. Even David, so there's two examples there's Abraham given, and David, two of the mighty men of the Old Testament. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord will not impute sin. And so here we have true righteousness. This is the righteousness that we evidence in our Christian life. The righteousness given to us of the Lord Jesus, he makes us righteous, we don't make ourselves righteous. He makes us righteous because we believe that He gave himself, his Son Jesus Christ, our Savior, on the cross to die for our sins he he's Our sins are imputed to him, and he imputes us his righteousness it's a It's unfair in that he got all the punishment. We get all the blessing. We get salvation. Now, because we are then saved, we have the deportment of righteousness. We do the works of a righteous man. So don't get the cart before the horse. Don't try to work your way through your own righteousness to heaven. You will never make it. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 and 23, the Lord put it like this. He said, in a day of judgment, one day after men have died, there'll be those that turn up and say, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons in thy name? Have we not done many mighty works in your name? And the Lord will say to them, I never knew you. You try to work your way to heaven. It was not my way. You didn't come by the way that Abraham come. You didn't come by the way David come. You didn't come by the way that Christians, true Christians have come by faith in Jesus Christ. Depart from me, the Lord will say, ye workers of iniquity. it, It is iniquitous to God for us to try to work our way into his heaven and for him to be indebted to us and he never, never will be. We are indebted to him in 1 John in the book where we're taking this from we've only looking at one so far 1 John chapter 2 and verse 29 where we started we read again if ye know that he is righteous ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him now you have to discern huh, what righteousness you're doing is it works righteousness to try to get saved or are you doing righteous deeds because you are saved you've got the horse before the cart in the right order god is not under obligation to us and will not be i pray that you have believed like abraham like david on what the the lord has done for you you see in the old testament they had those references in isaiah and the psalms throughout scripture they had it right back from from adam and eve where God shed the blood of an innocent animal to clothe Adam and Eve. That they might be covered of their sins. Picturing the Lord Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, that if we place our faith in him, he gives us his righteousness. What a gift. There's a second mark of the new birth. Not only the mark of spiritual deportment, which is righteousness, but the mark of spiritual desire in first John three and verse nine, where we read, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this is the children of God manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So the mark of spiritual desire What is your desire? Here it says, if you're a Christian, you won't desire to sin. And as you read that, you say, he that commits sin is of the devil. You say, oh no, I've sinned and I'm calling myself a Christian. This reference, if you look at the original language in the writing there, if a person continually, habitually commits sin, this is what it's saying, we will be tempted to sin and we will, as Christians... Sin. Otherwise, 1 John chapter 1 uh, wouldn't have been in the Bible because if we say we have uh, not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. If we Christians confess our sins, so we will sin, but we won't habitually sin. And if we do sin, we'll be guilty as we'll know we've offended God. And we'll want to right that situation. We'll want to confess our sins and get right with the Lord. And keeping short accounts is a good good idea for Christians to do. But as a Christian, what are your desires? Do you desire to sin? Do you want to sin? No. Do you know when you're being tempted to sin, this, this is wrong? I shouldn't be doing it? Yes. As a true Christian, you want. As a non-Christian, just do it and, and not, a, not be conscious. Of doing a sin, committing a sin. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, there it tells us, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. What does a baby desire when they're first born? They want milk. And as Christians, true Christians will want milk. A person that says, I'm a Christian, and hasn't opened their Bible for the whole week, are they born again? Have they a desire to know God? I don't think so. If you can go week in, week out, months at a time, and your Bible is collecting dust on the shelf, you need to ask yourself, am I born again? And as the Bible says, examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. Do you have that desire to be in the word of God? Because The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Chapter 6 and verse 19 of Matthew, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves don't break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. You see... If you're a Christian, your treasures are in heaven. That's where you're headed for eternity. That's where your desires will be. If your desires are only down here, yeah, as Christians, we can get our desires off track. We can get our wishes and our wants messed up with our necessities. And we can start looking at the world and saying, hmm, this looks good, just like Lot did back there in the Old Testament. He was a Christian. This righteous man, it says in the New Testament, he he vexed his righteous soul from day to day with the unlawful deeds. He could see it was wrong. And folks, if you can't look around this world and see there's something wrong, there's sin everywhere, then I wonder if you're born again. Are you one of God's children? And so our treasure is in heaven. We'll be wanting to go there. Here, are, Here's another reference in 2 Corinthians 5. And verse 2 and Romans 8.23 For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. You want out of here? <laughs> you want to go to heaven and have that eternal, immortal, non-sinning body? Yes earnestly desiring a house from heaven and Romans says the same thing in 8 not only they but ourselves also who have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption that is the redemption of our body we desire we want to be in heaven we want to be with the Lord but meantime we're down here going through the trials and testings of life where is your desire Desiring to be in this sinful world with all the things that are going on that are wrong, all the wickedness, or desiring to be with the Lord and with Christians, without sin, (laughs) with the Saviour. There are some wrong desires. It says in Second Corinthians, no, sorry, Galatians. Let me read these to you. Galatians 5.26. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. That's a wrong desire. If we are desirous of vainglory, are we Christians? We want to be top of the pack, king of the castle. Are you a Christian? You want her in church to be top dog? Hey, if you're really responsible as a top dog, it's not an easy position. But those that are uh, angels of light in the pulpits of the Lord, uh, that love it for the power they have over people. Desirous of vainglory. That doesn't indicate you're a Christian. It's the opposite. Luke 23 verse 8 reads, And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see for him for a long time. You say, wow, that's good. Herod wanted to see the Lord Jesus. No. <laughs> Listen to what the rest of the verse says. Because he had heard many things of him, and he'd hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. That's why he wanted to see Jesus. Why do you want to see Jesus? Because you love him, to thank him, to honour him and to worship him or to see some great deed that he does. He's already done great deeds. We see them everywhere. Another reference is Mark 9.35. He sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last. Because they in their hearts were desiring to be first and the lord rebuked them for this if you want to be first take the last seat the bottom seat be the last in line and this is what the lord has said in john's gospel in john's gospel we read in chapter 12 and verse 21 the same therefore came to philip well, let's read back in verse 20. There were certain Greeks among them who came to worship the, at the feast. And the same came therefore to Philip, who was a besider of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sirs, we would see Jesus. This is the desire that we ought to have, that we would see Jesus daily. They would see him in his word. They would see him in other Christians. Seeing Christ in them. That would see him one day literally. This should be our earnest desire. You know, a pig will want slops. A cow will want grass. Remember when Noah wanted to discern whether the floods had abated? He sent out a raven. And they would land on a dead carcass and enjoy the smell and eating it. But he sent out a dove, because a dove won't go near the mud. And it plucked a leaf off a, a green tree that was growing and brought it back. What are we? When you come to yourself like the prodigal son did, you will not want to feed on the husks of this world, on the sin of this world. You won't enjoy the stuff down here. Your desire will be to see Jesus. To see Jesus. You'll say, I want out of here. Just like the prodigal, he said, what am I doing here? Back home in my father's house, the servants fare better than I. I need to go home. And he, he, he went home and his father received him. Where is your desire? What are you desiring? The third thing that we look at this morning, the mark of spiritual disposition. Back in... The, in First John, chapter 4 and verse 7. The third mark of a true believer. We have, Behold, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. The mark of a spiritual disposition of love. Brotherly love. This love is based squarely on the truth. If you go over to chapter 5 of 1 John and verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. And so here we have that a person that is truly born again, is truly saved, loves as God loves. Now, it depends on our definition of love as how we interpret this. Here, we love God and keep his commandments. If we can fellowship with those people that do not keep his commandments and feel right at home, we don't love God as we ought. We're disobeying God, have no friendship with the world. In John's Gospel, chapter 15, and verse 10. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. The Lord kept his Father's commandments, and it was an evidence that he was abiding in his love. If we have to compromise the truth, if we have to compromise the Scriptures... In order to say, well, I love that person, that's why I'm compromising, we're not walking in his commandments. We're disobeying the truth. God's love will chasten those whom he loves. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 5 through to 8, we read, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, Nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, of which all are partakers, all Christians are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. It puts it very clearly here. That God chastens us, He disciplines us because He loves us. Now that's a whole different definition to love of what the world is. You know God's definition of love is a gap, I love. It's sacrificial love. The world's definition of love is eros or, or philos, brotherly love or erotic love. That's lusts. That's lust. This is love where you are willing to chasten. If you're a a parent, or if you're a child, even, or your grandparent, what do you let your children do? Do you let your children play chicken on the road? Or do you run out there and take them off the road and discipline them for going on the road where you told them not to go? When we're in putting ourselves in trouble or in the way of harm God, we as Christians would discipline our children God as our heavenly father will discipline and chastise us and bring us back and draw us into himself and there is no room for compromising love for whatever love they think that truly is love does not sweep sin under the carpet True love will name sin for what it is. God has written in his word, plainly and clearly, through the word of God, that if we love him, we're going to keep his commandments and we're not going to sin as we've already read in 1 John. And if we do sin, God is going to come after us with the chastening rod to discipline us, to chastise us, to bring us back to himself. True love speaks the truth and speaks the truth in love. The greatest chapter on love is probably found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Where it talks about the importance of love in verses 1 to 3 as compared with tongues, prophecy, knowledge, faith and giving. It's above all of these. Without love, these things are nothing. The importance of love, the impeccability of love in relation to saints, self, sin, and situations, verses 4 to 7. True love is different to what the world thinks. Love is not gushy, sentimental, sentimentalism. It's not overlooking sin. It's not let them do as they please. God loves us he loved us before the foundation of the world and he planned to send his son to die for our sins this is the cost of love sacrificial love and he won't let us do as our please uh, as we please He, he won't let people in eternity well they'll all get saved they'll go to heaven and go to purgatory which is there's no such place but they'll go there they'll be punished for a while then they'll then they'll come into heaven no 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 Eternal damnation is as true as eternal life and they will suffer for eternity because they rejected the love of God. A mark of a true Christian is that he has a deportment, this deportment of love. And God has told us the truth from cover to cover in the word of God that we come to him at showing his love to us. He won't overlook our sin. He's paid for his sin, our sin, in his own body on the tree. True love is obeying truth, sometimes at great cost, at great cost. He that leaveth father and mother and serves me, great love. The, the love that missionaries have to go to foreign fields and witness to others. So there's the importance of love in First Corinthians 13, 1-3. The impeccability of love, verses 4-7. to In verses 8 to 12, the indestructibility of love and the invincibility of love in verse 13. Faith, hope, faith and love. The greatest of these is love or charity, as it's put in in those verses there. Have you got, got the mark of love where you obey his commands? You know when people call themselves Christians and go out and live in the world and live like the world and dress like the world and act like the world and eat like the world and don't care about spiritual matters and don't turn up at church and doesn't don't fellowship with Christians, don't have a desire to do that. They're not Christians. Don't deceive yourself. Don't be hoodwicked by the devil and thinking you're going to heaven when you're not. You can't put it on. It has to be for real from from inside. What desires do you have? Marks of the new birth. Yes, the mark of Christian deportment, spiritual deportment, righteousness. The mark of spiritual desire, not of the sins of the world and the things offered down here, but heaven. The mark of spiritual disposition, that of Christian sacrificial love. When? When's the last time you sacrificed for other people? You gave at cost to yourself for someone else's needs to be met just as God has given to us and you can say yes I'm saved <laughs> I pray that you would examine yourself today and make sure that you're headed to heaven because the Lord's coming soon we could be out of here an instant in a twinkling of an eye and you wouldn't want to be left standing you wouldn't want to be left out here for what's coming as we read in the last book of the Bible You'd want to be with your friends and family who are saved in heaven. Why do not you come to the Lord Jesus by faith, believing and receive eternal life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Challenge us. If we're not saved, Lord, may your spirit convict us and do a work of conversion. Convict us of sin, of righteousness and of judgment to come and save our wretched souls as we believe on what the Lord has done for us. Save that soul, Lord, now that's seeking you. Let them read Romans ten nine through to 13 and understand how. And Bless us who are Christians in the confidence we have in you and thank you for all you've done for us and we give thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.